0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. It is wonderful to have all of you on this first Sunday of the month in October, this World Communion Sunday, in which uh, we, we recognize the fact that we are sisters and brothers in Christ with, with a worldwide communion. And, and so, folks of, of all different denominations and Christian tradition gather at table and name a, a unique unity that we have as, as family in Christ on this Sunday. Speaking of the family of Jesus Christ, we are so grateful for for just a a couple unique things that have happened in the last couple days. Uh, Whit and Mary Whitley celebrated 67 years of marriage on Friday, so congratulations to both of you. That is just a remarkable testimony to to God's faithfulness and goodness, and and they're with us today, Uh, and that's just great to to celebrate with y'all. Staying right in the same pew, right in the same family, uh, their granddaughter Christy and 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 her husband Jacob Brackett, uh, their daughter came today, uh, Graciella Catherine Brackett. They're calling her Gracie. Was born at 6:48 a.m. this morning, six pounds, thirteen ounces. Mom and baby are doing well. So goodness gracious, I think we need a, a, a round of applause and gratitude. <laughs> To the, the Whitley, Wagner, Brackett family and the, and, the, and the good news of life and life abundance uh, in their family in this season. I invite you to, to stand wherever you are and just greet some of the folks around you. I invite you to begin finding your seats again as together we prepare our hearts and minds to worship the living God.
1: Welcome to the live broadcast of A Service for the Worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia.
2: What a privilege it is and what a joy it is to join with brothers and sisters in Africa and Australia and around this entire world as we worship the triune God. For this is the day the Lord has made and this is the day the Lord has given all of us throughout this world to worship and glorify him. So I invite you to join with me as we call ourselves to worship by standing in body or spirit so that we might worship the triune God. Today we come from near and far to gather around God's table. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We are one in Christ. Come, let us worship the God of our salvation.
1: Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of A Service for the Worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 96th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is October the 6th, 2019. It is World Communion Sunday. Today's broadcast is number 4,962. The Rev. Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled The Healing of Jesus, will be delivered by Rev. Dr. Holm Lippin. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and organist, the Chancel Choir, H. Carson Ryan, Jr., former Executive Presbyter of the Presbytery of the James, and, with a moment for ministry, Elder Brian Baer. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, which is number 339 in the hymn book.
2: reminds us that we are weak and on our own we can do nothing but yet the God that we worship is mighty and powerful and is there for us. So I invite you to claim that promise that God is for us and with us as we confess our weakness through the sinfulness that we are. Let us pray with one another a prayer of confession that's in your bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious God, In love you draw near to heal and renew the outcast and the shunned, the unclean and the overlooked, yet we who have known your healing power have also been those who have pulled away from those whose sin we find revolting, whose mannerisms we find off-putting, whose disease we find fearful, whose differences we find perplexing. Forgive us when we draw away from others in fear rather than draw toward them in love. Fill us afresh with your courageous and humble spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Songs of praises we will ever give to God because God has forgiven us, God has renewed us, God has restored us, and indeed God has made us whole. So friends, believe that incredible news that your sin is forgiven To God be the glory. Amen.
0: be seated and at this time any of our children who are in second grade or younger and would like to you may come forward to this side door where Mr. Carl Rubis and Dr. Michelle Holm Lippert will be leading the children's chapel and you can pick up your child in room 102 after the service of worship)
2: Let us pray. Eternal God, clear our hearts and our minds from all that beset us. Enable us to be open-minded, to hear your word, and then to allow that word to convict us and even change our lives. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. One of the struggles with scripture reading is interpretation. And where there are three Presbyterians, there are about four different interpretations of a passage most times. But the other part is to be clear about the context in which scripture is read. So our scripture this morning from Jeremiah 29 is a passage that was intended for the Israelis who were in bondage in Babylon. And so the word to them is a word of hope in the context of them being in exile and wondering where is the God that we worship. So listen now for God's word from Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: We are continuing through the Gospel of Matthew as we have been uh, doing all fall, looking at this particular Gospel and the way Jesus comes along and and calls the people to, to follow him. Back in chapter 4, before the, the Sermon on the Mount that we've seen the last three weeks, we read at the end of chapter 4 that a large crowd from across the region is starting to follow Jesus. And then the Sermon on the Mount, again, we've looked at that for three consecutive weeks. And at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, Matthew records that the crowds, quote, were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with authority. And then today, our reading from Matthew chapter 8, it begins with that same momentum of the crowds and the awe, and then this surprising moment that unfolds amidst this groundswell. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, You can make me clean. He stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my position, I somewhat regularly make visits that involve the intensive care unit in the hospital. As you know, the ICU lets certain people back for visiting, usually only allowing for one or two people at a time, usually only maybe family or or clergy. Sometimes, as some of you are aware, they'll require a, a full gown, some head cover, a mask, gloves, even cover for your shoes before you go in. And then sometimes, quite frankly, sometimes you just can't go in. It's it's that precarious, it's that contagious, it's that susceptible to making things worse. If you were a leper in Jesus' time, you basically lived your life in the ICU. The room with almost no visitors at all, aside from fellow lepers. Leper was a term that broadly referred to any number of skin diseases, mild ones, dire ones, and and lepers were considered the walking dead. According to Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, lepers were understood to have their skin disease because they were under a curse from God. And because of this, the, the lepers had a number of laws in place to ensure they were kept at a safe distance from everyone else unless by some rare miracle they were healed. Lepers, for instance, were not allowed inside any of the walled cities of Jerusalem, or of Israel, and so most prominently they were not allowed in Jerusalem, certainly not near any measure of the Holy Temple. Living outside the walls, then, lepers were required to have and keep disheveled hair and disheveled clothing. They were to lower their faces when people came near and cry out, unclean, unclean in order to, to ensure that anyone who looked like they might get, be getting a little too close would be kept at bay. And then the rabbis, the, the spiritual teachers and leaders of the community, they were required to keep at least six feet of distance between themselves and a leper. Lepers were truly the most ostracized group of people in Israel. Because the fear was that the uncleanliness, the unholiness, the sin, the curse was readily contagious. It would spread. Though unlike the ICU where we are also hoping that the patient is getting better by being temporarily removed from most. The removal of of lepers was really about protecting everybody else. Now, for most of the world today, we don't have the same concern about lepers, but absolutely, we have laws and regulations or just social customs that, that quarantine and keep people over there. At times, for their good, but also often for the health and safety of everybody else. For the very sick and the contagious, the ICU, they, they need to be kept at a distance. For those who've broken the law, perhaps grievous, grievous grievously, it's prison. They need to be kept at a distance. Registered sex offenders have their address made public by law, essentially announcing, unclean, unclean. So others can ensure they keep a safe distance. For those who, who say or do something bad or wrong or unbecoming or ugly, even if it's not technically or legal, our, our social media platforms make it clear there are strong forms of social ostracization and disassociations that can occur with swift vehemence. They, they need to be kept at a distance. Or, or even I think about how Alan Hilton was with us earlier this year. He was leading us through his House United ministry program that helps congregations communicate and even growing, and even grow together as they talk about the issues that often divide. And he led a combined Sunday school class where a number of you were present. And he, he talked about a poll that had folks respond to this prompt I'd be very concerned if my son or daughter married into the opposite political party. And he talked about how in 1960, 4% of respondents agreed with that statement. Yeah, I'd be very concerned. In 2010, 43% of respondents agreed to that statement. I'd be very concerned if a child of ours married into the opposite political party. And then in 2018, 50% of respondents agreed. With that statement. And I remember he noted that that increasingly we almost think of others in the political party as infected. With a contagion that that quite frankly we do want to keep at a distance from our immediate family. The truth is in every people group and every time in history there are some persons who are considered too unclean or too sinful. Or to have too many of the wrong germs. And perhaps for their well-being but definitely for everybody else's well-being society decides they need to be kept at a distance. And just as the groundswell of Jesus' power and popularity are starting to soar, of all people, there comes a leper who kneels before him. Who would you say is among some of the furthest removed and germiest in our society today? Can you imagine the pews this morning filled from front all the way to the balcony back because they've heard that this Jesus has just given the Sermon of the Millennia. They've got to hear what's coming next. And into that kind of scene, into the heart of the sanctuary, walks the person you have in mind. How many are the laws this leper is breaking in his own time? You don't walk out of the ICU full of contagion and draw near a healthy person. Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. It's a remarkable statement. Much more could and and should be noted about it. But for this morning, listen also for what is quietly screaming in the background of our text as the leper is speaking. There are the crowds and the religious leaders and the Levitical scriptures joining in one chorus at this very moment, crying out, Jesus, back away. You do not go near those people, that uncleanliness, that curse. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose, be made clean. And then Jesus tells the leper to go to a priest, to be formally examined by that priest and declared clean, thereby honoring the process of Leviticus 13 uh, that names how a a leper is to not only be named clean again, but then is able to join at table again as part of the community. Jesus' touch has a biological and a moral and a sociological dimension. And yet, why must there be a touch at all? I mean, when it comes to certain people who who really have a a terrible disease, body or soul or both, why this risky, scandalizing touch on that skin? Why not throw on the gown, a mask, some gloves, and sort of lob a be-made clean prayer from a safe distance? Rodney Stark is a retired professor of sociology and comparative religion who taught for years at the University of Washington. And he he wrote this book we read in seminary called The, The Rise of Christianity, how the obscure marginal Jesus movement became the dominant religious force in the Western world in a few centuries. That is a mouthful. But in short, he's exploring what factors most contributed to the rise of this very unlikely religion that begins with a few followers in the Gospel of Matthew. And among other things, Stark writes about the great epidemic of the second century, sometimes referred to as the plague of Galen during the reign of Marcus Aurelius. Some medical historians suspect this may have been the first appearance of smallpox in the West. But whatever it was, in in a matter of 15 years' time, the Roman Empire was cut by somewhere between a fourth and a third of its population. Just devastating. Then another plague hits in 251, this time probably measles. No, people did not have a theory of how germs work, but historians of that time will record how and people everywhere increasingly became fearful of being near one another, visiting one another amidst these plagues if if one was ailing. And so people died in isolation all the time. Except... There were these group of Jesus followers, these Christians. Many of them were were noted by both insiders and outsiders as as a people who were willing to remain with you. They did not have special medicines or special training. They definitely died doing it some of the time. But what they did was elementary nursing. Simple provisions of food and water and proximate care to the ailing. Stark goes into far more detail than I can here, but, but historical records show Christians were actively involved in remaining regularly exposed before the disease to care for others within the faith and outside of the faith. And a significantly larger group of people lived who knew the care of elementary nursing. Stark then talks about how one of the more instrumental aspects of Christianity's attractiveness, its strength, its growth, was, was the church's willingness not only to proclaim a love stronger than death, but to be so sure of that love within themselves that they remained near to those most ailing at great risk to themselves. In our own day, I don't surpri- find it surprising at all that recent polls continue to show that nurses are the number one most trusted professionals across the career field board. In a society where we are increasingly disconnected and isolated and, and touching is fraught with potential misunderstanding and abuse, Nursing is a profession that is fundamentally about a caring touch given in a time when we're most contagious, most vulnerable, most exposed. There is a healing that goes beyond words in that gift, and absolutely a trust is built. Caring trust, caring touch communicates love and builds trust. In ways that words alone do not suffice. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus knew this not just with this particular leper. Right? What does, what does John chapter 1 famously proclaim? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God has never been about lobbing healing and wholeness from a distance uh, up upon heaven into this messy, sinful people. God's love is most fundamentally, most foundationally expressed by drawing near, by touching the people in the intensive care unit of guilt, of shame, of sin, of failure. Have you known not, not only the audible promise of Jesus, but have you known the healing touch of Jesus in your life? Can you think of some of the folks through whom You have known that touch. Is it not a grace to have your hand held, or your head held, or your body held when the disease seems so ugly, or so wrong, or so contagious? Does not such a touch proclaim the gospel in spades? Does not the father run toward the prodigal son in that wonderful parable? And first things first, there is a hug and a kiss given unto the mud-covered son. And of course, Jesus eventually sends out his disciples who've known the healing touch, that they might be the body of with Jesus' hands and feet and voice in the world. And as I think about our call to touch the world in risky and even scandalizing ways, as Jesus has shown, I'm mindful of George MacLeod. He was the founder of the Iona community in Scotland, and, and in particular, his insight about the cross of Jesus. He writes I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between, between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on a town garbage heap. At a crossroad of politics so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble. Because that is where he died and that is what he died about. And that's where Christ's own ought to be and that is what the church ought to be about. About. And that is what the church ought to be about. Exposed, situated right in the midst of contamination and contagion. Folks who think and look and act differently. Folks who are shame-filled and folks who are imprisoned. Folks who are overlooked and folks who are unkept. Folks whose sin has hurt us. Folks whose sin has hurt others. Folks who are removed. That is the kind of scene in which the cross was raised. That is where his body goes and who his body touches and who his arms embrace. Are there risks? Absolutely. It's it's the ICU. But don't forget, if you have known the healing touch of Jesus upon your life, then this very day you have coursing through your being, your words, your very touch, a love divine you have a contagion against with which nothing in all of creation not even death itself can defeat whose surprising hands is god calling you to hold for such a time as this jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying i Do choose. Be made clean. May his church choose likewise. Amen. In response to God's healing word, we're going to sing There is a Balm in Gilead, and its, its title comes from the prophet Jeremiah, who you heard Carson read a wonderful promise from, from the prophet Jeremiah. This title comes from a portion earlier in Jeremiah where Jeremiah cries out, Is there a balm in Gilead? Is there a physician around? Is there a healing for my people? He's crying out for this balm in Gilead, which is understood to be a spiritual medicine, a spiritual healing. Let us sing together the good news. <laughs>
1: You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, The Healing of Jesus, which was delivered by Rev. Dr. Robert Holm Libert. The congregation will now join in singing, There is a Balm in Gilead, which is number 394 in the Presbyterian Hymnal.
2: Of the bomb in Gilead is what we believe in that person, Jesus the Christ. So join with me and with millions of Christians around the world and declare what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Please be seated.
0: And at this time, I will invite one of our elders, Brian Baird, forward to offer a word on behalf of the nominating committee.
3: Thank you, Bobby. And um, on behalf of the nominating committee, um, I'd like to ensure that you all know that it is nominating season right now and will be through October 27th, Sunday the 27th of this month. The church has a need uh, for nominations for deacon and elder, trustee, and uh, also for service on the nominating committee itself. Um, Each of these roles is described somewhat in these uh, inserts, which are in today's bulletin and will be in the bulletins throughout this month. Uh, Paul tells us that different people are given different gifts, and Ecclesiastes tells us that there are different seasons for everything. I would combine these to say that uh, our gifts can change over different seasons, and we should ask, prayerfully ask ourselves, what season are we in? What season are those we know in? And do we feel that they are, are in a time where they could serve as a leader of the church? If you uh, believe you uh, or someone you know uh, has these gifts to, sh- to uh, serve during this season, please, uh, I would encourage you to nominate them. The process is straightforward. Uh, you can fill out uh, the uh, respective handout, which I just described, and uh, place it in one of the labeled boxes here on this floor of the church, either in the glass office or outside of uh, the sanctuary, again, by Sunday, uh, the 27th of this month. Thank you for your attention.
0: Thank you, Brian. As we continue to discern the ways in which we offer ourselves in gratitude in response to the gracious healing of Jesus, uh, the offering plates will come around and and you're invited to to discern how that impacts uh, your stewardship of the financial resources God has uh, entrusted to you. Give as you are led. that and and then as well you have those communication cards in your bulletin and do invite you to let us know that you're here. Let us know if there are ways we can be following up with you. Let us know if there are ways we can come alongside you um, offering prayers of petition to God or offering prayers of praise to God. Gracious God, we give thanks that we have known the gift of your healing and your life. These are tithes, are offerings, they are expressions of our gratitude. And we pray that that your spirit would, would use them in ways that would further the knowledge and goodness of your healing touch throughout your church, throughout this city, throughout this your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
2: On this World Communion Sunday, we're reminded in a very powerful way that this table does not belong to us. In fact, this table stretches around this globe today where people from east and west, north and south will come to sit at table in the kingdom of God and to really represent what that kingdom is all about. We're privileged to be able to be part of that this day as we come around this table with brothers and sisters around this globe to witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is Savior and that only through Him Is it possible for us to live life fully? So I invite anyone, all who trust in Jesus Christ, to come to this, the Lord's table, so that we might be able to experience his grace and his presence. We might be able to experience the saving grace that only comes through him.
0: Let's join together in prayer. Gracious God, With joy we praise you for you have created heaven and earth. You have made us in your image and kept covenant with us even when we fell into sin. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who by his life, death, and resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Holy Spirit, kindle our memories in this time that we might recall the great love of Jesus. Lift us in this time into a full awareness of your presence, that we might be nourished upon your healing love through this meal. And spur our hope in this meal as we consider that one day your church throughout time will gather visibly with one another at your great banquet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: We're told that on the night when Christ was betrayed, he with his disciples took the bread, having blessed it, and he broke it, and said, this is my body, which I do in remembrance of me.
0: In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul goes on to tell us that as often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim our Lord's saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, and you are invited.
1: While the members and friends of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church are being served the communion elements of bread and wine, let us turn to reflect on the significance of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is one of two sacraments, both of which are visible signs, instituted by Christ, of God's invisible grace. The first sacrament is baptism. Baptism signifies God's welcome of the individual into the household of faith. As such, it is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. The second sacrament, the Lord's Supper, signifies and communicates God's continuing spiritual nourishment and support of believers. Thus, it is repeated frequently. Both of these sacraments are extensions of the Word of God read and preached, signs of the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ as proclaimed in the sermon. The communion service is at once a memorial of Christ's sacrificial death, a renewal of the spiritual relationship of believers with Him, and with each other in the community of faith and an anticipation of the great heavenly banquet yet to come. By this supper we are brought into closer communion with God and with other Christians, not only those present at this particular service, but also with those in all times and places, those spread around the world and those who have gone on before us, the great communion of all the saints. That is why the Sacrament of the Lord's Supper is also referred to as Communion.
0: Christ. Broken for each of you. Take and eat.
1: As we continue our discussion of the nature and significance of the Lord's Supper, we note that there are at least three dimensions of the Lord's Supper as it is understood in the New Testament. First, the past action of God in Christ and our memory of it. Second, the current presence of the living Christ and our celebration of it. And third, the future kingdom of Christ and our joyful anticipation of it. So, when we eat the bread and drink the wine, We remember the broken body and shed blood of Christ on the cross. We depend on the risen Christ to sustain our lives today, and we look forward to the great feast in his coming heavenly kingdom. All three of these dimensions are important parts of the Lord's Supper. If we were to emphasize only the past, the Supper would become a gloomy and faithless remembrance of the sacrificial death of Christ, forgetting that he also rose victoriously from the dead. If we were to emphasize only the present, the supper would become a sentimental victory celebration, forgetting the cost of victory, that the risen Christ is the one who was rejected by a sinful world and who gave up his life for us. If we were to emphasize only the future promise, we would be celebrating a hope without remembering that Christian hope for the future is based on the victory of God in Christ, which has already happened, and we might fail to live joyfully, thankfully, and obediently in the present, in the strength and courage we are given now by the risen Christ who is already Lord and whose kingdom is already on the way. As the supper concludes, we offer ourselves to Christ as he has already offered himself to us. Having been reunited with him, we are made ready to go out to fulfill the church's task in the world.
0: Of Jesus Christ shed for each of you. Take and drink. Let us pray. Our God of all grace and all healing, we give you thanks for drawing near, for breaking the sin and death that keeps us far from you and from one another, and forgiving us and calling us to share table with sisters and brothers across the pew and around the world. We give thanks that you have nourished us upon your healing love, and we pray that that same love would be known quite literally through our hands and feet and voice. This day around the world. We ask that your healing, justice, and love be made known in Hong Kong and Iran, in Honduras and China, in India and the United States, in every country, in every people where there is any measure of pain or sin that separates one people from another. May there be a healing. Holy Spirit, raise up your church to be the hands and feet and voice in places where the pain is most acute, The vulnerable suffer. The outcasts go unnoticed or overlooked. Here in Richmond, equip us, your church, to be your hands and your feet and your voice among the elderly who have nobody else, or among the imprisoned who have nobody else, or among those under the highway overpass who have nobody else. Or among those who seem to have everything and also have nobody else. Among those who have been shunned, disparaged, trampled upon or feared. Nourish us upon your courage. That your healing love might be known through us, your body. And here within this congregation, may your healing touch be made known, known anew in the holding of hands, or in a long overdue embrace, or in the kind welcome of hospitality. For those who are in our midst and they weigh on our hearts, as you did with the leper, so too may your healing touch their body and their soul and even their sociology. we enfold our every prayer into the one you taught us to pray, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power reminders or announcements before the benediction and the first one actually will involve Reverend Charles and Mrs. Marilyn Hammett and they have a wonderful gift for healing prayer and if you heard the word of God and you heard the sermon and you 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 joined in all the singing and you realize you could use a hand of healing a prayer of healing upon your life or you know someone close to you who could really use that prayer known unto them come forward that the Hammonds will be standing right here right after the benediction and just take a moment to receive the gift of that prayer on your life or the life of another that's that's what they're going to be up here for and they, they look forward to offering that gift to those whom the spirit is is moving that's one two my goodness catch the Whitley's if you can We said at the outset they celebrated 67 years of marriage on Friday and then a new great granddaughter Gracie was born just earlier this morning so we are so happy for Christy and Jacob and and the whole family and the whole pew of family and anyway it's great news. Congratulate them and then as always just down the hallway in the social room we will have refreshments and time for fellowship and we'll uh, look forward to catching up with you down that way. He reached out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. May the healing power of Jesus Christ grace your lives in a surprising way this week. And then upon receiving that, may that same healing spirit lead you to hold hands with a surprising other person that they might know that this same Jesus is still very much alive and active and healing. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you this day and always. Amen.
1: For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening for Wednesday night supper beginning at 6 p.m. Your announcer today has been John Harris and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 on your AM dial and 97.7 on your FM dial.